Lots of controversy to talk about this week, but I suppose that's just a sign of the times. Welcome to Hand of Pod. To the 222nd episode of Hand of Pod. That's a nice round number, isn't it? It's a nice Melito-esque number. We like it, all the twos. I thought you'd approve, Dan. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by someone you've already heard, English Dan. Hello and welcome. And someone you have not yet heard, but are about to, Argentine Andres. Hello, welcome. And in Diego Melito's honour, um, we are recording in Dan's living room mm. uh, this week. Um, not mine. We're having a racing themed recording, surrounded by all of I think the, that's correct. All of the racing memorabilia that Dan has festooning his living room. We should uh, play. Just have to imagine that. We should play that number in the lottery. Uh, twenty-two. Yeah. To, to uh, bet on, on the number, <laughs> it's twenty-two because it's Milito. It's uh, crazy. We have numbers here like the dreams. Yeah. You dream about some on something and, and yeah, and twenty-two. The, I think it's a crazy one. The crazy one. The crazy yeah. person. Yes. Um, as ever, we'll begin with the uh, results, but we're recording this week, um, as we did last week, on Thursday, because there was a very important Copa Libertadores match on Wednesday. We'll get on to that in just a couple of minutes. But first of all, the results from last week's league matches were as follows. Gimnasia 2, Godoy Cruz 2, Sarmiento 0, Colón de Santa Fe... Sorry, got that the wrong way around. Sarmiento 1, Colón de Santa Fe 0, Lanús 2, Atletico de Rafaela 1... Newell's Old Boys 1, Huracan 0, Atletico Tucumán 3, Defensa Justicia 1, Boca Juniors 4, Aldo Civi 1, Union 1, Tigre 0, Racing Reserves 2, Argentinos Juniors 2, San Lorenzo 2, Rosario Central 1, San Martín de San Juan 0, Estudiantes 2, Vélez Sarsfield 0, Independiente 2, Tempele 2, Quilmes 0, there are a lot of Teams who scored twice, weren't there, this week? Um, <laughs> Olimpo nil, River Plate. That's kind of the analysis you get in, yep. in hand of play. Unparalleled. Olimpo nil, River Plate 1, Patronato nil, Banfield 2, and Arsenal de Sarandi 3, Belgrano de Córdoba 3. Um, the reason that Racing fielded a reserve side, and in fact the reason that uh, Boca fielded a, I'd say a mixed side rather than a reserve side in that thrashing of Aldo Cini, is that those two teams both had Copa Libertadores matches mm. on Wednesday evening. The main reason that we didn't record um, on Wednesday evening was that Racing's match was going to decide whether or not they went through. Um, Boca, of course, had already qualified but needed a win to, to uh, top the group, and they got that win. They won 6-2 at home to Deportivo Cali. Um, the fact that they drew 0-0 in the first group uh, match against the same team really sums up the differences in many ways between Guillermo Barros of Gilotto's Boca and the Rodolfo Robarena team, made up of basically the same players that had preceded it, doesn't it? In part, and I think it said something as well about just how badly Deportivo Cali have done in in this campaign. Oh, they're pathetic. I, was, I follow quite a few Colombian journalists on Twitter, and they're absolutely just furious at what's happening with the team, like 
their penchant, their penchant for letting in goals, just their disorganised manner. I think they, they, they went down six nil in in La Paz against yeah. Bolívar. I believe four two against Racing in Avellaneda, and now yeah six two again in in La Bombonera. Mm. Yeah. So I think that result obviously Boca were playing with with kind of the tranquility the tranquility of nine that they were almost certain not I mean they were already qualified but barring a very very unlikely result they were also going to be finishing top of their group so they were able to play very calm you know. It was, it was a bit of a crazy game. I think. At it was one crazy. Point, it was three goals in three minutes. Yeah, and um, then normali- normality ensued. I guess well, they, they came to Argentina already eliminated. The Porto Cali uh, had no chances mm-hmm. to, to qualify. And Boca already free. And yeah. uh, there, there is a difference I think, which is uh, key, that is the, the performance of the player of some players that weren't playing so much, uh, so many minutes, and, and now they are like they could even. They won't be in a certain lineup against River, but they could, like for example Andres Chavez, who uh, from nothing they, he has scored I think five goals in two matches or something like that. And I I don't know if that has to do exactly with the coach that uh, perhaps ha- has told uh, Chavez, hey Andres, you will play more minutes, so be ready to to score, be ready to 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 uh, to improve because I will take. Uh, uh, you will play more minutes, or just it was lucky that he put Chavez some minutes and, and he was good and then gained more minutes after that. It's difficult to, to know to know that, but it's one of the reasons why Boca is it's it's better now than before. It's some players that they, as well as River, has a, a, their their performances were down. In this case, Boca with. Lodeiro and Chavez, uh, mainly mainly uh, both of them. Uh, Boca is, is now another team, looks like another team. Mm-hmm. Um, the more important of the two matches, as we say, uh, was the Racing match. They took on uh, Bolívar in La Paz at altitude. You never quite know how this is going to go. Um, but they did okay. Did they knock down? They did. Okay is a fairly... Glib way to put it after what Racing made I, me I suffer thought, last night. I thought in the first half they were dicey. Um, yeah, they were playing. There was never fire. really any real, real danger, but there was a lot of corners, a lot of pressure. They relied quite they a lot. on... Almost couldn't get away, get out of their own half. And they relied quite a lot on on what you quite correctly identified last week, and was a big source of your reasons for being so confident of qualifying, even though you'd probably need a result in La Paz, mm-hmm. uh, which was that Bolivar are not very good. They're not. Um, no. <laughs> they're definitely not. To fail to press home that advantage yeah. at, at altitude uh, is obviously something that a number of the Bolivian teams have have had um, so far in this year's Libertadores, particularly. Uh, obviously with um, Bolivar themselves being held late on but thoroughly deservedly held to a draw um, by that late Boca Juniors equaliser and then earlier as well when uh, River were slightly unlucky if anything to, to or rather had themselves to blame but not the altitude to blame for only getting a 1-1 draw against the strongest um, so it's uh, it's been a bit of a weird Copa Libertadores in that respect in terms of the altitude not having the same effect we might normally have expected it to have um, but Racing in the second half certainly did much better. Yeah, they came out and played a little bit more. I think a lot of that was down to uh, Sava, the coach, who obviously 
knew he had to ration his team's strength. There's another point as well in with this uh, Racing squad. It's not like a Boca team or a River team or or even San Lorenzo who have had what, three, four years of consecutive Copas and mm. consecutive international competitions. So they've played these matches not just in Bolivia but sometimes in Ecuador or sometimes in, in other places with, with high altitude and you know the players they don't like it but obviously they're a little bit u- more used to it you think of players here like Ivan Pichud uh, Nico Sanchez uh, Romero for one you know despite being from Serra Porteño he hadn't had much experience of altitude He's probably, he was probably the player who, who felt it most so you're probably thinking of Paraguay is not known for his mountains it's not <laughs> Definitely not, even less so than Argentina. But apart, but it was a man from, despite from a that, country which does have mountains. Indeed, called the equaliser. You quite rightly, uh, as, as you said on Twitter, from the altitude of Cartagena. Yeah, from the heady heights of, yeah. of Cartagena. But it looks like Argentina. Russia, Martin. How uh, I don't know if they learned or they are much better than, than they were uh, playing mm-hmm. there in La Paz or the attitude. Of course, we have to talk about the Bolivian teams, which are poor. Mm-hmm. And, and that helps the Argentinian teams to get better results. I, I, um, except for San Lorenzo, who lost against Liga Quito Junior, I think, and Toluca in Mexico, who they also have an attitude. They lost in the last minute 2 1. They were winning until uh, 10 minutes to go. Yeah, I can see it too late goals, yeah. Well, it's obviously because of uh, the Viagra. Yes. Uh, well, but it's. Plus, knew they had a hard game going in the fourth. Pro- right. Gonna Provided it helps, it's okay because uh, <laughs> uh, last night Racing won one, Boca won one, River won one. All of them against or strongest or Bolivar. In fact, I think they must have won two or three matches out of six in playing there in their home. Bolivar have finished Group Three with one victory, and it came. I'm assuming at home. Of course, it came at six home five 0 against Deportivo Cali in the second round of Group Three. Uh, and the strongest of so far won twice, and one of those, of course, was in San Paulo mm-hmm. um, on the very first weekend of the Copa. The second was at home to Trujillanos. Uh, they do have one home game to go. That's a little later tonight against San Paulo. We'll get on to the reason that we're recording before the whole thing is decided uh, later. Um, but well done, Boca. Well done, Racing, who qualify first and second from Group 3. Well done to Rosario Central. If you listened all the way through after the theme tune of last week's, end of last week's episode... You will be aware that Rosario Central got a 2-0 win away to Nacional um, after we recorded last week, which means that they top Group 2 and go through ahead of the Uruguayans in second place. Um, That is to say the Uruguayans are in second place, Central, as I just said, were top. Uh, Atletico Nacional top Group 4, but not with 18 points. They only managed 16 because they were held to an 0-0 draw by Huracan on Tuesday evening. Uh, which confirmed that Huracan would go through regardless of the other match, as it was. The other match was Peñarol 4, Sporting Cristal 3, um, and it seems like it was probably more entertaining. Um, but Cristal were either 3-0 or 3-0 up, or 3-1 up in that yeah, game. Incredible, up. and everyone was saying that. Like A lot of anti-Uruguayan hatred came out in that moment. Ah, these are Uruguayans are throwing the match, they're letting Cristal walk all over them. And something, 3-2. 3-3. And 4-3. And for some reason, no one said that anymore. It was the first international match played in Peñarol's new stadium. And it was played on 
the 56th anniversary of the first ever Copa Libertadores match. There you go. Which also involved Peñarol playing at home. Uh, it was a 7-1 win for Peñarol by, uh, against uh, Jorge Wilsterram of Bolivia. Uh, so a little bit of historical um, symmetry there for yeah. you. Uh, so Group 4 is all finished as well. Atletico Nacional top of that and Huracan second. Group 5 is also done. Atletico Mineiro and Independiente del Valle are through from that in first and second. Group 6 is obviously done. Toluca finish first. Gremio finish second. And San Lorenzo and Liga de Quito are the two teams who've gone out. So San Lorenzo probably, possibly, hopefully, the only Argentine team to be eliminated at the group stage of this, this year's Copa Libertadores. They got a 1-1 draw against Liga de Quito um, at home also on Tuesday evening. Group 7 is Pumas of Mexico and Deportivo Táchira um, of... Was Venezuela. Venezuela, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Massive result for Táchira. Um, indeed. Yeah, in a year, they, a couple of years where Venezuelan teams have been absolutely dreadful. Yeah, and they qualified in spite of a 4-0 loss away to Olympia on the final, mm. um, on the final day of that group. Corinthians and Cerro Porteño have qualified first and second from Group 8, and that means, of course, there is only one group left to decide, and it is River Plate's Group, group 1. Um... We're recording at the moment, obviously, because we can't wait until Friday to record. The River game, uh, which is at home to Trujillanos, um, is later on this evening, as is the strongest against San Paolo. They're both being played at quarter to ten, so we couldn't wait until after those matches to record, because that would be a bit silly, and uh, probably either my girlfriend or Dan's girlfriend, depending on whereabouts we decided to record, would not be very pleased with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to cross our fingers and hope that the highly, highly improbable doesn't happen, and that River... Uh, do in fact go through we don't know what position it will be in but essentially to go out River have to lose to Trujillanos at home and the strongest have to beat San Paolo um, and the goal difference situation is a bit of a weird one because uh, the more the strongest beat San Paolo by the better it is for River if River lose because it's the goal difference of San Paolo that River have to be above um, so River draw... and Paolo currently both level on 8 points the strongest have 7 um, River have a goal difference of 9 San Paolo have 6 and the strongest goal difference just doesn't come into it anyway uh, because if those two draw then River would have to lose to Trujillanos by 15 goals to go out it can happen whereas, it can whereas happen. If, if the strongest beat San Paolo by 1 goal River can lose to Trujillanos by 3 4 goals in fact um, yeah because of the goals scored that River have got in the advantage as well by, by four goals and still go through and if the strongest beats San Paolo by two goals then River can lose by five and if the strongest beats San Paolo by three goals then River can lose by six and so on because of course San Paolo's goal difference is going to keep going down as well um, it's fairly unlikely I think it's fair to say that River Plate at full strength are going to lose at home to Trujillanos given that Trujillanos are terrible um, do you think this game is going to serve a Bit more we might as well talk about because it's going to be the big news of the weekend. Is it going to serve more as you know the final chance to get into gear for for a big super classico? Gasharlo is fielding a full strength team apparently tonight, mm. so that looks like the attitude that he's taking to it, doesn't it? Mm. Given that, as we say, it's almost impossible for River to to, to go out Touchwood. Keep listening until the end of this episode and uh, after the theme tune to hear about the astonishing 17-0 away win that sent River Plate out to the Apparently he doesn't care of, of, of uh, supporter thinking because of course any, any, any supporter, any River Plate supporter uh, would prefer 
perhaps to not to be not to do a brilliant uh, match tonight, but to win against Boca. Of course, qualify. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they they are they have put their their eyes on 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 Sunday. Uh, not well. Have they? Or have they put them on next week? Because I think the first leg of the round of 16 would be next week, and River are going to have to. P- I mean, they're going to have to rotate at some point. You would think that they might rotate yeah. on Sunday against Boca, given that the mm. league is. At least they have some of the injuries. It's a game they need to win, really. At least or they have at least it. get a result. In, it is. Because Not it's in, the Super Classico. Because, because it's a Super Classico, obviously. Because the league's gone. So. But it's a Super Classico. Okay. I mean, they did it last year with the Libertadores one, so they played in the league right before the Libertadores tie, and mm. they fielded a weaker side in the league. But then the Libertadores was against Boca, yeah. which, you know. Uh, Paper beats rock, but rock oh, beats course, scissors. Yeah, yeah. But well, no, there's no way you can yeah. not put a full strength team out in the Super Classico. I'm saying the same for Racing. If not for for this game, you know, in La Paz, altitude really difficult. Like, I would have said the same if we came to it comfortable, unlikely to go out of the Libertadores. But I said save all the all the first team players, put them against um, Independiente because well, you know, for Racing sure. are not going to win the league either. But you you got to beat yeah. Yeah, classical rug. Well, we know for sure. Is, we don't know if River will end the, the 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 group winning it. We we hope and we we think it's it's likely. But uh, if if that happens, what we know for sure is that Racing will play against uh, Mineiro uh, in, in the round of 16, which is I think it's mm-hmm. if that's true, it's uh, Robinho, Prato, Datolo. Are we sure about that? I think mm. yes. They have to drop to, ah because San Paulo will jump above them yes. or the strongest will jump above them. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. Because if, if it finished right now, then Racing would play Toluca, but Racing are going to drop down a place from the second place teams because either the strongest or San Paulo or River. If if River do no, in fact, if River finish second, then that would necessitate River losing. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. But yeah, almost certainly it'll be Racing against Atlético Mineiro. Um, there's not very much point in talking about the possible matchups for the moment. We'll talk about them next week because it can still change. Uh, there are too many variations still, but I will read them all out once we know the score. The results of the River match will know all of the last 16 games because, of course, if you're new to the Copa Libertadores, the last 16 is seeded. Um, the best group winner plays the worst group runner-up. The second best group winner plays the second worst group runner-up and so on. Um, so as soon as the final whistle goes on tonight's two matches, or rather as soon as the final whistles go on tonight's two matches um, we will know exactly who's playing who in the second round so I will read all of those ties out to you as well after the break uh, after the break after the final theme music anyway that's the Libertadores round I've done um, so we've got we're going to stick our necks out and say five out of six Argentine teams through I think that's almost fair. definitely but certainly at least four out of five so another decent group stage um, for Argentine clubs in the Libertadores but now let's get back to the league, because there was some action. There were not as many goals, quite as many goals anyway, as we've become used to seeing um, recently in, in the Argentine league. There and were Russia's only playing. about just under three per, yeah. per match this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Racing's to blame. We put four, yeah, to blame. It's only four, goal, four only goals four. in their match. It's it wasn't eight or yeah, yeah, it wasn't four. nine, yeah. yeah. But, right, I mean, let's start off with Racing. You, even your reserves can't defend properly. <laughs> two <laughs> goals conceded against Argentinos Juniors Argentinos are rubbish it's true I'll tell you the truth uh, I watched the first half of that game and then I went out to, uh, to dinner with my father-in-law and they were pretty good in the first half it was a nice goal to, uh, to open the scoring thought right this one's under control go out went out to, uh, 
to eat some pastas in Salgado, just around the corner here. I would highly recommend those pastas if you're ever in in Villa Crespo. Salgado by, pastas, yeah. uh, Ramirez Villalasco and Aguirre. We have a new sponsor here. <laughs> if you, if you ask him after, after last week's sponsor, which I forgot to announce yeah. this week, but I had parpadelli con, con meatballs. If if you're interested, with a nice tuco sauce, it was excellent. <laughs> then I got home fairly late. Uh, saw the result because I saw one of the the cooks had had, shot, had celebrated at least one goal, and it was two. I was like, oh wow, crazy stuff. And that's about as much as I can say for that game. It was a very odd looking racing team. Argentinos were pretty awful from what I saw, but got to do something about the defense. There's, the, the there's a lot of mistakes. Last minutes when Racing got the, the equalizer with the, with the Nair, mm. uh, Argentinos, I think they are all 11 men were in their, in their box. Mm. The entire team was, yeah. and Racing was trying, of course, to break it, and they couldn't. The thing is, Racing always play like that, whether they're 1 0 up or 2 0 down. Like, it's just everyone. Everyone goes goes for it. It's it's quite amazing to watch. It's it's a spectacle. I mean, I've never seen anything like it as as a Racing fan. I don't know if you guys have, as River fans have ever had a coach who just really didn't give a shit about defending. No, it's terrible. It's, mm. it's I, I, I think there, there are a few teams, and I, I don't know. I don't uh, get get them right now. But uh, could defend well. Mm. There, there may be one or two teams. But then I'm wondering, is this Related to, um, to the format of the league, I mean, there's only 16 games. There's a lot of clubs that, because of other compromises, are probably not going to be going to be winning the league. So everyone thinks, "All ah, right, we'll just go out, see what we can do. If we score five goals a game, it will put us in a decent mood for the second for the second half of the year. If not, then we haven't really lost anything." Da, but da, da. that's the qualification of Racing to the uh, round of 16. Make Sabah have more credit because he has been criticized. So. He's been criticized, yeah, unfairly in my view, because I like Sabah. I think he's he knows what he's doing. He's got an idea in his head. It's come off on quite a number of occasions, and obviously there's mistakes at the back. But you also got to point the finger at the guys who are there. Looks like winning the title perhaps will build some. Uh, big big credit to him because, mm. for example, uh, Gallardo now uh, it has been it's been criticized because of course River is not playing very well, mm. but he has four titles won in one one year and a half, so that gives some uh, to take off the bag from his shoulders. Yeah. And oh yeah. If you win titles, everything. And of course, yes, and get it the same. Get it the same. It's like oh no, well, Copa Libertadores out of the Copa Libertadores means get it. Have, mm, yeah, the but kind of they're top of the league, and yes. if they beat San Lorenzo, they're gonna they're gonna push a little bit further forward. So they're not too bad. Actually, we could talk about San Lorenzo because we they pro- were well, one of the two protagonists and probably the most ridiculous Argentine football fight, at least of the last week. And that's saying something. I was going to try and say something positive about them first of all, which is that they were involved in a very no, it wasn't really their fault. It was more central and. Chacho that was at fault this time I don't know if you saw it was, it. it was a very entertaining 2-1 win for San Lorenzo at home to Rosario Central um, in which uh, Marco Ruben penalty gave the visitors the lead after just 15 minutes and San Lorenzo came back with goals either side of half time from Matias Caruzzo and a fantastic hit 
from Franco Moussis, which was a proper old-fashioned flick it up and smack it into the top corner style volley. It was beautiful. Um, ten minutes into the second half. So look that up on YouTube. And now Dan will fill you in uh, on the fight. So after the game, Chacho Coulet, um outspoken, if we can say it like that, central coach, comes out and he says, oh yeah, what, you know, we tried our best for what you want. Uh, well, San Lorenzo played in the, in the Copa on Tuesday. Um, we played l- on the last game on Thursday night and we only had 72 hours to recover. We were all tired. Da, 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 da. Um, crying, basically. And so Nestor Ortigosa responds. Ortigosa is, is a friend of the podcast, I believe. Um, we, all, we all love his style. At least I do. They said, look, you guys went and played in Uruguay. You came back... You came back on bicycle. We were in Mexico up in the mountains. We had to get a train, a pacos across the hills, then a, a hand glider across the Andes, going through hitchhiking through, I don't know, the salt plains. And You'd expect Nestor Octagosa to have lost some weight after doing all that, wouldn't you? I mean, there's a lot of free meals on, on these pack horses. Mm. Well, they're packing something, obviously. Yeah. So this was the ridiculous fight of the, of the week. Um, both, you know, two professionals, very used to travelling and used to these kind of trips. Both crying that their trip was a lot harder and they miss mummy more than the other. I can see the the objection, I suppose, from from both sides. In fact, San Lorenzo had more time perhaps to prepare, but at the same time, they spent much less time travelling, and so therefore. Sorry, the Central spent much less time travelling and therefore San Lorenzo possibly didn't effectively have that much more time to prepare. So it evens out, I guess. Anyway, um, the other, the rest of the big five at the weekend, we've mentioned Racing, we've mentioned San Lorenzo. Boca got a very impressive 4-1 win against Aldo Civi, which of course, combined with Wednesday evening's game, means that Boca have scored 10 goals in the last two matches. One this... of them, the debut goal for Golden Messi. Yes, Messi d'Oro, um, <laughs> who scored the fourth. Andres Chavez got the first and third for Boca and Nicolas Lodeiro got the second one a minute into the second half. Um, Can we say he's the new Messi, but even better because he's made a solid god? Presumably so. Yeah, Yeah. the evidence is there. More impressive is that he said that who is the player that he looks uh, or who is his idol? Uh, Chavez. (laughs) Not Messi. Oh, no, I heard him say it was Tevez. Oh, well, uh, I heard a radio interview where he said, yes, of course, my, my idol, or the one I look more is Messi. Messi, Doro, Messi. Well, it's okay. <laughs> if you grow up with that name, then you're bound to have people telling you that you've got to play like that all the time. I mean, yeah. It's hard not to feel yeah. sorry for him in a way, but he does turn out, it seems at least... And, and he, yeah, he played all right. He, had, um, he was a bit nervous at the start, but he always went looking for the ball. He, he got involved. The goal, you know, I think I could uh, put it in. It was... Uh, I think it was Meli who, who really shot and Messi Dora was there to pike over the line. But, but when you're 18, you're playing in the Bombonera for the first time, your debut, and you got the ball right there. Yeah. But like you're not going to just smack it in and celebrate. It's incredible yeah. because when I think the Chavez, the first goal from Chavez was the equaliser and uh, oh, that was, was, was yeah. losing 1 0. Yeah. And from nothing, uh, Meli got a, a real. A brilliant assistance to, to mm. Chavez because at that uh, 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 at that moment Boca was trying to push Aldosi but not clearly and that was well like a rabbit from the hat 
-hmm. because uh, no, no one no one imagined that he could have make that made that pass. It, it was uh, incredible. This is the thing with Meli because I think I only notice him when he does good things. Because I have this image that he's a really decent player, and because I see him do good things, but. This is perhaps because I only hear his name every three, four weeks and he does something good. And the rest of the day is three weeks, he does nothing. I don't know. It's, it's like his performance has been fading mm. like, uh, and to a, a point that the Boca artist uh, uh, Fede, when he came to records, uh, criticized uh, Meli a lot, didn't like him very much. Uh, he comes out with, with that uh, kind <coughs> of things, which mm. well, surprised. And Boca, one piece of bad news for Boca is that on Sunday they will be without Andres Cubas, who uh, oh, yeah, apparently has done month, his ligament. Yeah. Somebody and else did it for him. does come back, it will only be for a hypothetical Libertadores quarterfinal, mm. uh, semi-final. Quarterfinal, because the semis are after the Copa America, so we'll definitely live out for them. But if he's out for a month, then mm. he might be this quarterfinal second leg, possibly. Yeah, I read, I read semi-final. So. Um, elsewhere, uh, oh, hang on, we've not mentioned River yet. River's uh, weekend match, and then Independiente. Independiente got a 2-0 win over a way to Southfield. It was fairly routine. Then let's put up something less resistant than I was expecting them to, really, considering how much... Especially their goalkeeper, who, you know, they play a lot of Pumas matches at... Uh, at Vélez Sarsfield's Grandi and Liniers and the goalkeeper who is Asman oh, ex no, there, were, there were two of them in fact uh, Fabian Asman conceded the first goal but he was subbed um, 13 minutes in shortly after yeah. conceding that first goal um, I'm not sure why because I missed the start of the game he was upset uh, because he Alan just Aguirre. fluffed his, his audition to become the Puma's next fullback mm -hmm. never going to get there with that kind of that kind of uh, calm under the high ball very no, disappointing. <laughs> um, so yeah, Menes lost to Independiente. Independiente get a first win in a little while. I think it's right to say because they drew two a games, games didn't they? Nil nil. Uh, they oh yeah, two straight nil nil draws. Uh, so they get the first win in three matches um, and are now f six without defeat. Mm -hmm. So we thought they'd dropped off a little bit, but it turns out they've actually gone unbeaten. In a they while. just haven't lost games. They've been during during quite a few, but they haven't lost. Mm. And uh, Reaver until Sunday. River away in Bahia Blanca, which is never the easiest of places to visit, seemed to be improved somewhat, didn't they, Andres? A 1 0 win away to Olimpo with a Leonardo Pisculici header, but yes. the, the performance by and large was decent first half. Better than what we've seen recently in the league. Yes, decent first half. First half uh, having the possession of the ball, but not, not clearly uh, generating uh, chances to, to score. Olimpo uh, massively defending in the first half, then tried to get, go out a bit. And River uh, was well was a bit uh, worse than the, than the first one, mm. but the incredible thing there, or the interesting thing, or curious thing, is that um, Gallardo made Alario going to the into the match with dedication to the the direction to, to the other players to put cr uh, crosses or uh, for for Alario and then. Uh, the one who scored uh, with the header was Pisculici. Seconds uh, after Alario yes. took the pitch as well. <laughs> yes, Alario uh, did a good, uh, a fine pass by from his back heel, uh, which made Drusi uh, uh, have a comfortable situation to to make that cross mm. for for Pisculici. But yes, it's funny uh, or curious. Uh, 
it was decent win with a, a bit of improvement, not uh, that great thing. With defending as bad as he, they had been defending, with uh, things like, for example, Alvarez Baranta not jumping when there there is a cross from from the rival, and in in fields like Olympos, like the Carminati uh, Stadium, is uh, is incredible because uh, there will be a lot of crosses in a in a such small uh, small pitch, mm. uh, and and I I saw it repeatedly from him. Uh, not jumping when the, there is a high ball coming from 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 the corner, but uh, uh, anyway, Olimpo didn't worry River so much. Uh, they hit a post in some time from Barrio Nuevo, a player that he oh, get, get, yeah. got yeah. into the match in the second half. But uh, no, not uh, that was the only dangerous play, apart from one in which Barbero uh, had a, a a bad he. He got got in, uh, out of the box uh, wrongly, and Pizzini missed that, uh, a big opportunity to score with no no goal, mm. no goal, no goalkeeper. Sorry. Uh, elsewhere, Luis Rodriguez scored his 100th goal for Atlético Tucumán. Yeah. Celebrated by the club by um, throwing 100 footballs with his name and Cien Goles written on them uh, onto the pitch. I think afterwards, I'm not sure. I don't think they did during the match. I wonder how many of them made their no, made yeah. their way back off the pitch after the Tucumán crowd got their hands. Well, I think I think the whole aim, in fact, was to eventually then that the players chucked them into the crowd once they've been thrown onto the pitch. I don't reckon um, they even gave them a chance for that. <laughs> Possibly not, but um, so that was nice in uh, Letico Tucumán's 3-1 win over Defensa y Justicia. Uh, Gio Simeone scored both of Banfield's goals in the 2-0 win away to Patronato, which is, I think is the first home game that Patronato have lost um, this year. Knocking on the door for Atletico Madrid. Patronato? No, Simeone. <laughs> is that true? No, I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, it's dad's, eh? it's dad's yeah, they defeat Belgrano, they defeat River, uh, drew against San Lorenzo. Yes. In order, Patronato's home results so far this year were a draw against San Lorenzo, a draw against Arsenal, then victories over, as Andres says, Belgrano, Rosario Central, and River. So, some very impressive home results indeed um, so far in 2016, and well done, Banfield, for beating them. They had lost three times before Patronato, but all three of those were away. Um, did anybody catch Arsenal versus Belgrano on Monday night? No, nor did I. But no, I'm there was. I on Mondays. I, 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 think I won't ever catch an Arsenal match because no. I am not at home on Mondays night. No, Mondays I go and play football yeah. with very. Unresolved. There are better things to do um, on Monday evenings than staying to watch Arsenal. Yes, except perhaps definitely. there aren't because they did draw three three. No, they definitely um, is. <laughs> and. Um, I have seen the goals since, and the one that I can remember is Mario Bonatti's first for Belgrano, which is a screamer. Absolutely hammered it in from the edge of the box. Um, so look that one up. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, Lanus. Lanus got yet another win. Mm-hmm. Every week I get asked by a friend With who's now yeah. moved back to the States uh, and is a Lanus fan. Um, whether we meant whether I'm going to talk about Lanus, he never listens clearly to the actual episodes. He just always comments when I put them up on Facebook. He starts saying, oh, "Did you talk about Lanus this week?" Yes, chance we did at the top of the league. Um, so well done, Lanus, and hello, chance, if you are finally listening. Um, Lanus are in Group B, or so sorry, Group walking. Two. Um, they are walking it indeed. They're three points clear of Estudiantes. Uh, their first, Lanús, in, with 28 points, Estudiantes have 25, Atlético Tucumán, a third, with 22 points. We would not have predicted that at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Huracán, 
fourth with 20. Boca picked up a bit. They're fifth. They were about ninth or tenth last time. I know. It's one of three in a row. Three something three like that. They have, yeah. And Racing snapping at the heels. Yeah, uh, but only one point behind Boca. Um, in Group One, Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo are neck and neck. They've both got 21 points. Godoy Cruz have their noses just in front on goal difference at the moment but of course that's not going to count if they both end up tied because they'll have to play a playoff to decide who plays the final of course because I think. Argentina loves playoffs um, one point behind them on 20 points Arsenal de Sarandí that's another surprise at the start of the year um, Independiente have 19 points in fourth and Rosario Central have 18 so three points separating first from fifth in group one um, we said at the start of the year that Group 1 was probably going to turn out to be the slightly better one to watch. I've got to admit, when we said that, we probably weren't expecting both groups to be quite as entertaining as they are. Um, but I would say, by and large, Group 1 is still looking like the more interesting sort of battle for the top. But Group 2 Group two's better. I yes. think you reckon? Yeah. Group 2 is no, producing the better yeah. matches. Definitely. Mostly no, just higher quality. And it's clear because Racing can't defend. Again, they've scored 25 and have a goal difference of plus one still. As we said last week, they've scored 25. No, but you've got Lanús, you've got Estudiantes who've been playing very well. You've got Boca who've been playing better. Tucumán have been yeah. playing very well. Whereas the story have been held up. The story, I guess, with Group 1 is that Godoy Cruz started very, very, very well. San Lorenzo picked up impressively and the rest of them have sort of been, if anything, maybe struggling slightly for form. Independiente couple of draws and a couple of defeats and Central of course have started off fantastically and then since then have just had a bit of a dip so if Lanús were in group one they'd be seven points clear by now well they'd have had to play a bunch of different teams so possibly not Mm, they'd have to play weaker teams I reckon but you think yeah I reckon I reckon group two is the stronger group all day every day but then you do support they they won they they defeat Boca for example with an authority with mm-hmm. uh, scoring four goals, uh, two goals in four minutes, and uh, when Boca was worse than in the year now. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is clear is that Lanús is just a bit more uh, have more advantage uh, relation related to the other teams than in the other group, which is Cody Cruz appeared to be like Lanús is in the other group, mm-hmm. but now it's of course in the joint top with with San Lorenzo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's time for a refill, gents. I don't know about you. Yes. So we will put some music on now. Just 10 seconds too slow to avoid that noisy bus going past. We'll put some music on now. Um, So don't go away. We'll be right back. some controversy at the beginning of the podcast right when the theme tune was starting off um, let's get on to it shall we the Super League mm. or the Superliga as it's uh, called in Spanish um, there was a meeting on Monday evening of four of the big five clubs in Argentina for those of you who are new the big five are River Boca 
Racing. Along with a lot of other of the other clubs as well. Indeed. It wasn't just those four. Independiente and San Lorenzo, that's the big five. Uh, four of them, the ones that I've just named, minus Independiente, along with, as Dan says, various other um, teams from other bits of the country and from other bits of Buenos Aires, um, met up in a restaurant or cafe or somewhere. A restaurant in Belgrano. Yeah. Uh, in Belgrano to discuss a breakaway league. The AFA's um, weekly uh, executive committee meeting was on Tuesday evening, as it always is, and just barely scraped quorum. Forty-three out of uh, sorry, twenty-three out of the forty-five members were present. Each club can be represented at these meetings either by its president or by its first vice president. Um, so basically, twenty-two of the clubs didn't bother sending anybody to that to that meeting. Um, and therefore, it just barely scraped through quorum. The four, the big five, who had attended this breakaway league meeting the previous night were among the absentees um, and there was a lot of talk and I think as well it has to be said a lot of very misguided and, and, and misreported I suspect talk in the media at least um, about this the, the, the danger of this new league uh, being outside the AFA they want to break away from the AFA entirely which no, is, that's is spot crap. because if Absolute you break away crap. from the AFA then you break away from FIFA and you can't take part in anything and one of the La Nacion um, certainly ran at least one article comparing it with the Premier League and saying that the FA doesn't have control of the Premier League in England. Mm. Yeah, it does. The Football League is the thing that the Premier League broke away from. It's still called the FA Premier League. Um, if it didn't, then they wouldn't be allowed to play in the Champions League. They wouldn't be allowed to play in the, in the Club World Cup. And nobody, no players of any nationality who played in the Premier League would be allowed to play in the World Cup. Um, so if you're Argentine you're listening to this and you were reading that article, for instance, and you started to panic about whether Argentina will be allowed to play at the next World Cup or this year's Copa America or whatever, don't worry, because they're probably not going to do that. And if they are, I'm sure somebody will point out the mistake that they've made before it actually gets brought in. But in itself, the Superliga, do we think it's a good idea for Argentine football or a bad idea or what? It's a good idea for the biggest clubs, no doubt, because the backdrop to all this is... As always, financial. The biggest clubs get the biggest TV ratings by far, than the massive TV audiences. Uh, they're fed up of having to share it with the other clubs in the Ascenso, in, in the regional leagues. They're especially fed up of having to um, share their own TV money between 30 teams which is quite understandable because it's a ridiculous number as we've always said on the pod so the idea would be to cut those teams out um, start a new a new Premier League uh, above the Primera División with and also possibly a new second division eventually as well as yeah yeah entered. it would how I envision this as I said in the Herald on Monday would be the five big clubs and uh, the biggest hitters from from the interior because the interior clubs get far more TV audience and therefore can can command much much bigger uh, viewing figures and and TV mean, TV sorry, money far more within their own provinces and cities rather than say far more than River. I'm saying on no, I'm saying on a national scale. A club like Belgrano, Tashir, even Tacheres, who will get more than Argentinos Juniors, will get more than Argentinos Juniors, right. more than Banfield, more than even probably Lanús, or, mm-hmm. although the Lanús are almost there because Lanús on its own is is a big city. The teams that would 
probably lose out most from this are obviously the the lower division clubs because um, instead of having a football association that controls on the money which is nominally nominally at least uh, committed to sharing out money even if it's only a, a tactic to keep the big clubs down and, and under the heel uh, they would obviously lose because um, the Superliga would negotiate its own TV deal its own marketing deals commercial stuff and the AFA would be left with the crumbs the other teams that would be harmed by this as I see it are the smaller clubs from Capital because uh, some of those clubs being Argentina. I mean, for the benefit yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of our foreign listeners who aren't sure what Capital Federal is. Yeah, the likes of Argentinos, the likes of All Boys, uh, this kind of this kind of level. Also, a few of the clubs like um, Defensa Justicia, say in 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 the province or mm-hmm. Temperley, these clubs that don't have big kind of big followings of their own, but have done pretty well in recent years despite this uh, then obviously you've got other clubs who are historically big uh, the likes of Quilmes the likes of uh, I want to say uh, even Almirante Brown say in, in La Matanza these clubs you know, they might not have enjoyed a great deal of, of, of success in recent years but they have big big fan bases Deportivo Moron to say another there's a lot of them so the teams who you know can bring something to the table, and this is why I'm underlining the interior teams are, are going to love this because these are these are teams with their own you know provincial fan bases and they get big big audience. These are the guys who are going to want to push this. This will prevent from what Macri has been saying that convert the the, the, the clubs into. Uh, well, this is another this is another side of it. Um, I don't know if uh, our regular viewers know about it because I'm not a a weekly a weekly guest on the pub for work reasons. But uh, it looks like in the next month or two months, the government are going to be retiring for retiring from the football the football game, and the rights for for Premier games. Are going to be passing along to a private company. Oh, this Most is a, likely, right, we, we didn't talk about this too. Turner Broadcasting Systems. Well, they're the ones who've talked so far. Direct yeah. TV are also going to be involved, and yeah. TSC, who are the holding company of TIC, and of course, are one of the companies um, who more clued in. Torneos already be aware. Yes. Um, were heavily involved in the FIFA Gate scandal. Um, they've all been talking about it, and what the AFA apparently want to sell is a twenty-year contract. Yeah. With the first three years, up until 2019, which is when the Football Para Todos contract was, um, currently runs to, mm-hmm. the government have said that they, they do want it to at least, whoever buys the contract will have to guarantee that the games will still be on uh, free-to-air on open yeah. television, decodified television. Um, <coughs> and then after that, but 20 years, I mean, yeah. we're talking about a country which for the last pretty much decade has had 25-35% inflation, mm-hmm. and the AFA want to sell a contract at a fixed price for 20 years now. Yeah, it's and insane. and at least for the first year, um, whoever the the winning bidder is, the money that comes into the effort is going to be less than the government paid them. Mm-hmm. That's almost certain. I can't remember the exact figures, but say if the government were going to pay one billion six hundred million for for this year, 
uh, Turner would pay 1.4. Uh-huh. So we're talking about uh, a notable a notable drop-off. But they are also going to have to cover some costs of production and some um, uh, costs of transportation. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well. But that translates it's, it's also to... Worth- in less the, money to the clubs yeah and it's, it's worth in the broader context of all of this nothing less to do with football to mention that Turner don't currently have a presence in Argentina but part of the reason they're going for this is they're trying to buy Telefe mm-hmm. which uh, if you're watching the stream still online because they are still available online especially if you have a, a VPN um, blocker Te, Telefe are the channel who are showing most of the Independiente and Boca games, aren't they? Most of the, which are the big biggest games, yeah. Quite a lot of racing games as well. So, this is the the point behind this but power move by the big to five. To clarify, uh, because I, I, I read a piece in which Tinelli was talking about this mm. Superliga, uh, saying that they need more incomes, much more incomes than mm. they have right now. You mm. are saying that... And see, that's why it's happened, right? Yeah, because this is why it's happened, because the obviously... The happy with the amount of the, with the AFA's bargaining power. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're also not happy, as you said earlier, Dan. The AFA nominally has an obligation to redistribute the money. Yeah. And, I mean, there was a TV sting famously a few years ago in which Julio Grandona, when he was, at, when he was president, when he was still alive, admitted or boasted um, that he just doesn't give that money out a lot of the time until the clubs come begging for it because their players are about exactly. to go strike. I don't, so, I don't know if Segura has the same kind of clout to do that. So I, I wouldn't be able to comment on that. But what? cannot be denied is that uh, say a 16 team Superliga or Premier or whatever you want to call it with the big five uh, 10 big clubs from from the interior Newell's uh, Central Colón Union Talleres Belgrano and and whoever you like plus a couple of teams like Lanús and and Banfield is a hell of a lot more attractive for for commercial play for commercial players than Aldo CV against Temperley yes. at and ten o'clock on a Friday matches, night. Because right now there is a lot of people that can't catch every match. Mm. Or just don't want to. Like who could possibly care about those games? So so it will be <laughs> the same, for example, the tournament that is right now with uh, half involved, but with better commercial condition. Yeah, that, that will be the the key. It's more incomes because TV will there will be there will be more yeah. TV channels or, or, or companies play, paying yeah. for for the TV rights mm. and that will make clubs have more money or only that or or at, 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 apart from that there will be a private publicity something, something that football plateaus didn't do and mm-hmm. and it was criticized because in the half times only there was only well political politics. Uh, advertisements and mm-hmm. not uh, not uh, products and that mm-hmm. and that stuff. Uh, the, uh, and the other thing is, what does the clubs do? The clubs do with that money because it, it is, of course, uh, combined the uh, lack of money or, or, or little money the clubs uh, manage and the bad administration from the clubs. Mm. That's both. yeah. It's it's both. two sides of the of the same sword. Let's say the clubs. Uh, I have a list now. Having just uh, criticised at the beginning of this little segment um, the, some of the coverage from uh, La Nación, I am now reading from their website uh, as to which position is taken by which of the clubs. Um, I'm going to try and translate on the fly here after a couple of notes, so bear with me. But uh, what they say is, on the stage, 
Mm, starting off well here. Which clubs uh, have taken a position and which are still looking at this whole process from a certain distance? They say Boca, River, Racing and San Lorenzo are leading the whole idea of the formation of a Super League. The fifth of the big five, Independiente, um, were at the first meeting to do with it, but afterwards sort of stepped back a little bit. Um, so the presidents of the big five are sort of the, the nucleus of it. The other dissidents, as La Nación puts it, are Vélez Sarsfield, Huracán, Temperley, Estudiantes, Banfield, Godoy Cruz and Unión. Um, the equibridistas, so the ones who are sort of sitting on the fence still, I would guess. Uh, Argentinos Juniors, Belgrano, Atletico, Tucumán, Defensa Justicia, Rosario Central, New Orleans Old Boys, that's interesting. So two of the, the two biggest clubs from arguably the biggest footballing city outside Buenos Aires are both on the fence still. Aldo Civi, Colón, Atletico de Rafael, Lanús, Patronato, San Martín de San Juan and Sarmiento um, are, are those ones. And the ones who are firmly against it are Arsenal, Gimnasia and Quilmes um, are the, the main ones apparently. And then in the rest of it, as they say, there are second division teams who are sort of semi-interested and, and maybe think that they could, uh, could do things as well. Um, it's going to be an interesting story to watch and we will try and keep more or less up to date with it on Hand the Pod. But we want each episode this year to be slightly shorter than they were last year. We're hoping to try and gain an audience by um, not making you listen to nearly two hours of shit each week. So now let's move on to listeners' questions. So um, if the Super League comes in, that could help us because we'll cut the league down to 16, 18 teams and only focus on the big stuff. I would think so, wouldn't you? But when it was only so. 20 teams, we still managed to do just as much talking. Yeah. Um, anyway, we had a question last week um, from Liam Delaney who says, and it's topical, mm. and it possibly allows us to get a few extra listeners uh he says has there ever been a leicester style shock league winner in argentina yeah it's been I, I then had a bit of a discussion with him on twitter because I, I i thought it's difficult really to define what such a shock would be in argentina because it's a far more unpredictable league anyway and you get far more su- <coughs> surprise in inverted commas winners and so i don't think that it's really possible to have a shock of leicester proportions um in argentina just because yeah it wouldn't be that much of a shock, if you see what I mean. But um, we've certainly had unexpected winners. Dan, go for it. In 2000, it's happened more recently. And that that kind of period where a lot of unexpected teams won the league coincided in a real period of slump for, for, all for of the, the big, big five. five and for yeah. all of the big five. So we had uh, Lanús in 2007, which I believe was their first Primera title. It was. Banfield in 2009, which, which was, was also, also the first. first. Uh, then we had a few years, Vélez, Estudiantes, ah, Argentinos, Argentinos Juniors in, in 2010. Yes. I'm doing it chronologically, so... Okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, Arsenal was before, or not? <laughs> no, uh, Arsenal in 2012, ah. the year which River came back up to, to the top flight. Yeah. Oh. You might be thinking of their Copa Sudamericana win. Yes. Yeah, I thought they'd won the league before the Sudamericana win for some reason. No, it was 2012. My word. Indeed. But I mentioned Liam both the yeah. titles from Arsenal. Yeah, because Clausura 2012. Sorry, Andres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it sort of depends on, on what your classes are. And the shot. players that are, are playing there, because uh, Lady Samon, Obolo. Uh, yeah, they had a very good team. Or, or th- I think it was Jorge Ortiz now in at the Ortiz, uh, No, but I don't think we can. I, I Campetrini. Think yeah. If they have a strong team, then sure. But I mean, I think. Uh, Liam's talking about the size of, of the club and how 
I, I, I understand the point because later when the, 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 the season started they didn't even dream dreamt about mm. becoming champions and mm. here when Arsenal be, were the champions the supporters they thought the supporters. they could they could become champions that's the difference here in Argentina even Sarmiento de Junín supporters they they think they, they can be yeah because you win five games in a row and you, yes. you're on my set yeah um, I'm looking through now the other thing is of course that in Argentina For, well, since 1990, we've had a short championship, mm-hmm. and then the last couple of years that's been up in the air and changed a little bit. But by and large, by its very nature, um, by only being half a season long for most of that time, the the league was going to sort of throw up perhaps more surprise winners. Whereas the real shock for for Leicester in the Premier League this <coughs> season is they, they're going to have won it over a 38 game season. Um, looking down the list of all of the Primera División winners ever during the amateur era which is prior to 19 so between 1891 and 1931 you know there were some dominant teams very early on and then I guess Kielmes and Racing would have been the first two Racing. big shots Kielmes particularly and then Racing, Racing won seven, but, seven leagues in a row yeah and then Racing coming to, to dominate um, later on and then once the professional era began uh It was the Big Five from 1931 through to 1960. Uh, when was it? Studiantes 67, wasn't it? That was because uh, yeah. Primera was only the Metropolitano, right? Yes, yeah. It, was, yeah, it was the. Yeah, what we now think of the Metropolitano, yeah. yeah. Uh, so just the, the Buenos Aires plus La Plata clubs, which obviously helps to establish the dominance of the Big Five. But even then, after that, you've got... Chacarita Juniors. Estudiantes, Independiente, San Lorenzo, Vélez, Chacarita in the Metropolitano in 69 is probably the closest that you're going to get to a shock. And then a bunch of the big five all the way down through again to Huracán in 73, of course. And Central in 73, which I think is still Central's last league title, right? Yeah. Um, in 1991, when they I won in... The Nacional in 1980. I think... Right. And now, actually, my eye has just delighted on the mid-1980s when Ferro won... Two Primera titles. That's probably the closest thing. And Argentinos who won the Libertadores as well. Yes, Argentinos winning the Libertadores. Is, and Newell's um, winning 1991 with Bielsa, winning the, the final to Boca on penalties. Yeah. And then uh, I think they they were uh, finalists in the Copa Libertadores against San Pablo. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they lost. Yeah, they were. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate Ferro's... Um, Nacional 1982 and oh they, they were both Nacional I thought one of them was um, was Metropolitano but Nacional 1982 and 84 wins is possibly the biggest surprises they seem to be the ones that are mm. most or at least that were most remembered when I first came to Argentina which was in 2003 so only 19 yeah. years afterwards um, but that's the and certainly it's the one that has the most sort of the biggest thing of hang on a second that team mm. won the league just about inside my own lifetime and now look at them yeah I think um, the biggest shock now if you were looking for a Leicester equivalent would be some someone from the interior mm. taking the league Atletico uh, Tucumán and Abelgrano and Atletico Tucumán uh, Olimpo yeah say, or Gore Cruz because that I don't think is, you know a team that isn't from La Plata Buenos Aires or, or Rosario winning the league I don't know if it's ever happened And so Liam then suggests extend it to cups as well. Libertadores, Sudamericana, etc. Well, Arsenal in the Sudamericana. We've got uh, Argentinos in the Libertadores in 1985, yeah. we've mentioned already. Well, yeah. he's not just talking about Argentine teams. You know, Sao Caetano, who won the Libertadores, oh, is Sao always Caetano. held up as the, 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 the famous one. That was the, the, 
they not win it? No, I think they reached the final. Well, they lost to Orleans. And they're yeah. now, I think they've gone out of existence against it. They could well have done. Well, they've certainly gone down to about the fourth division in Brazil. Um, let me just scroll all the way up here. Because <laughs> I've read something about Salcadano's demise since that high <coughs> point uh, fairly recently. Uh-huh. No, Cachetano. No. Was it not? Ah, Salcadano do Sul. There we are. Oh, bloody hell. Let's uh, forget yeah. about it. I'm pretty sure they, they reached the Libertadores final. They were right? definitely in the final. I can't yeah. remember if they won. Lanús winning the Conmebol Cup, that was the, that was the Sudamericana yeah. uh, equivalent. Um, that was before Lanús actually got yes. good, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's probably yeah, a good that's a few. Um, Racing winning the Sobrecopa two years after coming back to, to Primera under mm-hmm. Vasili, but then they had a beautiful team that year. Uh, that Supercopa so was a good one for upsets because it brought together all the previous Libertadores winners notwithstanding yes. if they were actually any good in the, in that moment yes yeah yeah they should bring it back that would be good fun <laughs> get rid of the Sudamericana yeah. we'll have another Supercopa Tom Robinson asks could Racing do with the Manteros Senegales in defence definitely <laughs> I've already started negotiations and we're, we're looking to bring him up we have to buy a few watches from him and that's what I'm out, but I'm confused. There's there's one first of all, let's explain for our non Spanish speaking listeners what a Mantero is. Have you not seen the Mantero. video of the Mantero? No. Oh dear I But let's so the Manteros are um gentlemen. They're informal sellers that mostly sell in refugees from West Africa who were who were no, all sorts. On. It's all sorts. Really? Well, okay. Most of the ones who've been on the T V news as The Manteros Senegaleses are all Africans, yeah. yeah. But Manteros um, in general aren't just Africans. No, no, yeah, you're quite right to, to correct <laughs> that. Most of the ones who've been on the news uh very recently for, for being kicked out of their, their positions um, are from refugees from West Africa and, and uh, are selling stuff on the street to earn money anyway they can basically because they can't yeah. get but you're missing the point put in in Twitter and or whatever no. so now please explain to us what the Mantero Senegalese is I'll show you put, put in Mantero Senegalese Policia I can't believe you didn't see this I adopted hey, hey, him hey. as my idol there we go oh there this is. bloke yeah this is the guy I saw on the television yeah. He's a, that immense fro. <laughs> so yes, I'm in negotiations to get him. Obviously, the transfer window shut at the moment. But he said if I buy him five watches from him, and we'll we'll talk. So yeah, I'm I'm sick and I'm free at the moment. So negotiations are ongoing, Tom. Lovely stuff. Uh, Tom also asked, who is most akin to an Argentine Roberto Martinez? Would it be Saba or Gede? Mm. I think he means mm. who's worse at organising a defence who's worse at organising a defence got to be Sal like San Lorenzo Mind just you, haven't really done Gede anything Gede is not organised any, in any side of the pitch mm. and Gede is probably the one who's most competing to uh, lose his job before Martinez loses his so. this is true so, so we'll yeah, see a bit of life Roberto Rojas asks what would it mean to not have any of the top five clubs if or if, if that, then maybe just one in next year's Libertadores, given the season so far. Well, we're going to have the top five clubs in next season. We don't know who those are going to be yet. But I think he's talking about the big five. Ah! We're only in the knockout. We're not even reaching the knockout stages of this year's Libertadores yet. Yeah, but with... Really, Roberto? No, but he's saying... The league uh, and the cup qualification. On their, on their qualification, um, yeah. It would, I guess, be a bit of a... 
be an anomaly, I guess, because of the structure of the league. In and terms of recent years, it would be. Yeah, it would, it would be. Yeah, but more because of the short tournament. Years ago. You know, clashing with yeah. the Libertadores and it, all that. It, it wouldn't mean that. Much. It could happen that no one, no one of the of the big fives qualified to the next cover. San Lorenzo is now close because yeah, uh, yeah. they have yeah. been eliminated, but they are uh, in the first position there in the in the yeah, independiente too. Independiente, but. Uh, Provided they don't, they don't get the second position there, and, and they are, of course, uh, out of the Copa Libertadores, if they don't win the Copa Argentina, mm-hmm. it could be that five, big five uh, are out of the next Copa Libertadores. It would yeah. be strange, of course, but... Uh, I'd say at least one of them is going to get in, yeah. I'm sure. I, I would I would agree largely with Dan that it, it wouldn't mean an awful lot. It's just it's more than anything a symptom yeah. of this very this short league campaign. Very silly format, with, yeah. with the, the Libertadores. So it's a symptom of both the Libertadores and the current league campaign not being year-round. Um, Harry Laws uh, asks, also a Libertadores-related question, there are a good number of Argentine teams through to the knockout stages of the Copa. Who do you think will go furthest? Racing. We'll see Real. how everyone's got to play, is my... Well, that's... Apparently River, afterwards, we? apparently River will... Uh, normal results tonight, uh, they get a normal result... They will have to play Independiente del Valle or Gremio from Brazil. At the moment, if River win the group on eight points and a goal difference at nine, which is what they've got right now, then they would play Gremio. Uh, more likely, of course, is that they'll, we hope, <laughs> fingers crossed, that they'll beat Trujillanos, in which case they'd be playing Independiente del Valle uh, in the second round. Um, Boca, it looks like, are going to play Cerro Porteño. As we mentioned earlier, Racing are guaranteed to play Atletico Mineiro um, or Toluca no they can't play Toluca because like we said either San Paolo or the strongest are going to jump above Racing so ignore the standings that you're looking right. at on the screen at the moment okay. because although Racing are currently the fourth the fourth best second place team they're going to be the fifth best second place team come what may regardless of who finishes second in group one either one of these teams is going to finish with a better um, more points than, than Racing or a better goal difference one of the two um, you see, because Racing are on nine points and a goal difference of four. Mm-hmm. San Paulo are on eight and a goal difference of six. If San Paulo finish on nine ah, points, they'll have a goal you. difference. And if gotcha. the strongest finish second in group uh, in group one, then they'll have more points than Racing. So come what may, Racing are playing Atletico Mineiro. And if River lose, and if River the strongest, the strongest win. Well, in that case, River would um, second. Place. Uh, would finish second, wouldn't they? Of course, yeah. so they would finish in second on eight points with a goal difference of around 8-ish uh, they'd finish where San Paolo and they'd have Pumas probably right which would be tricky that's a very long mm. journey especially deciding it in Mexico um, but we shall see ask us again next week when we have a better idea about who's playing who um, and, and we'll be able to answer that one Harry and now drum roll please as we gear up for the classical weekend edition of our mystic guest who this week is Phil Carney Phil has tweeted us his predictions this week, and they are as follows. Oh, bloody hell, where have they gone? Here they are. Don't forget, it's the weekend of all of the Classicals this week. Here are Phil's predictions. Some of these are Classicals, some of them are not. The first one is not a Classical. Atletico de Rafaela against Patronato de Paraná is, according to Phil, a Patronato victory. 
Vélez Sarsfield versus Argentinos Juniors is not a Clásico. And according to Phil, it's going to be a Vélez win. Olimpo against Aldo Civi is definitely not a Clásico. And it's going to be a draw. Union against Colón is a Clásico. And going for a draw there. Arsenal de Sarandí against Defensa Justicia is not a Clásico. He's going for a Defensa y Justicia win. I think it's sort of a Clásico. It's like a half Clásico. Perhaps. No, it's not. <laughs> Be sensible. <laughs> They're both from the south of Greater Buenos Aires. Yeah. About as yeah. Far as and they played each other a lot in the La Leagues. There's a little bit in New York. San Lorenzo against Huracán. Clásico de Buenos Aires. A little bit, yeah. Um, he's going, controversially, for a... Victory for Huracan. Mario. Mariano would be spitting out his soup. Godoy Cruz versus San Martín, which is the Clásico de Cusho. They're from neighbouring provinces, of course, and they've got a bit of a rivalry that's sprung up in the last 20 years. Uh, he's going for a Godoy Cruz win in Mendoza. Lanús against Banfield. The Clásico del Sur is a Lanús victory. Gimnasia against Estudiantes. The Clásico Platense is an Estudiantes win, according to Phil. Newell's Old Boys versus Rosario Central. That's very, very definitely a rivalry match. Mm. And he's going for a Rosario Central victory, which would make it six out of the last seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. The Super Classico is going to be, according to Phil, a draw. And we've not talked about Boca's pitch. How do we forget that? Racing against Independiente, the Clásico de Avellaneda, is also a draw, and Belgrano against Atlético Tucumán, which is not a Clásico in anybody's book, I don't care what you say, is an Atlético Tucumán win. We forgot, in our Boca supporter-less episode, mm-hmm. to taunt Boca um, for the hilarious uh, lack of competence shown by their ground staff. Boca became the first club in recorded... You say it's hilarious now, but on Sunday you've got to plan it. Well, it's sure, not going to yeah. be that. It's, it's, it's going to be very hilarious. It's then. more embarrassing for them than it is for River. Mm. Uh, Boca became the first club in recorded Argentine history to actually take the weather seriously last week when it started raining. On it rained almost seemingly non-stop from sort of early hours of think, Thursday yeah. up until Tuesday afternoon, um, and uh, Boca put a, a sheet down to protect that. They mm. bought this nice, expensive sheet, oh, which yeah. is fantastic. It's exactly what we've been. Uh, imploring uh, clubs, particularly the clubs closer to, to the waterline, like Boca, to do for and quite River, some time now. And, and, and River, and River and, but also, I mean, especially close to the Riachuelo and, and Boca's stadium doesn't have very good um, drainage at all, as even their own, their own directors have mentioned in the last few years, um, to, to put something down. And they did, and, you know, fair play to them. But they didn't bother training their ground staff properly, apparently, mm-hmm. in how to remove this uh, big sheet. The ground staff removed the sheet but didn't shake the water off afterwards. And then when they rolled the sheet back, all of the water sort of splurged out onto the pitch, which is why, if you watched um, Wednesday evening's match uh, against uh, Deportivo Cali, which is why one side of the pitch just looks like a massive sand pit mm. because they were having to dry it out, um, they appear to have done a you know, reasonably good mm. job because considering it was hilarious, it was, um, it was I guess, as, as good as they could possibly have got it. Um, so better luck next time, Boca, is, is all I'll say in those times. Well, what I heard is that, that that sheet is effective only two hours before the match is going to be played. Yeah, it's not something you can leave on yes. oh, no. all, all uh From the all day before. Yeah. and yeah. No. no, because if you've got a sheet over grass for, for a week, mm-hmm. what happens? You kill the grass. You're compressing it, of course, yeah. No, because, they need grass, something that they no, can... because grass needs sunlight. They need something that's held up, right? No, because grass needs sunlight. Eh. 
obviously. Otherwise, it dies. True. And it also means water. Would you some sort of water. On, would you rather play on on a water polo pitch or on dead grass? Well, the key here is proper drainage. Yeah. Obviously. Of course. You know the the cover, as Andres rightly says, is only a short term a short term solution. Then, if the heavens open three hours before a game, mm. you put it down. That's it interesting doesn't get too I, much on, and I, I take I, it off. I, the reason I was aware of the cover was that. Yeah. Um, that, sorry, the reason I became aware of the cover initially was, was that uh, somebody. Um, it, well, it was it was on television, of course, on um, Thursday afternoon when it was already raining. So they put yeah. it down a few days before. Um, yeah, you can't do that. You obviously again, can't leave that on for two uh, days because you kill all the the natural bits. Which would suggest they spent presumably quite a lot of money on it because I'm guessing they had to import it and uh, mm. didn't bother to read the instructions. No. As it were. Either way, I hope they kept the receipt. Um, on that note, does anybody have anything to add? No. Good. In that case, Andres and I are going to pack off and uh, get back to our respective homes in time to watch River versus Trujillanos. If you're listening, then hey, you got an hour. You're fine. We've got. Uh, oh, it is an hour, isn't it? I thought it was, had, had it in my head that it was finishing at half past nine. Um, yeah, given that I live right around the corner, I suspect I'll probably be okay to get home. Um, if you're listening, then please keep listening. And after the theme music, as I said, I will give you not only the River Plate. Um, and the strongest results but I will also tell you exactly who's going to play who in all of the round of 16 um, knockout stages and otherwise thank you very much for listening and it's goodbye from English Town goodbye and thank you very much from Andres goodbye see you and goodbye from me goodbye And I'm back after a thrilling finish in Group 1. River Plate have just beaten Trujillanos 4-3 in the Monumental after some uh, rather unimpressive defending. It wasn't all that thrilling. Uh, Nowhere near as thrilling anyway as the scoreline made it sound. River at one point were 4-1 up and then conceded two silly goals late on. Um, It... At the same time, the strongest against San Paolo ended up 1-1. Jonathan Caleri was sent off from the bench just after the full-time whistle, so will presumably be suspended for at least the first leg of San Paolo's um, last 16 tie. Uh, That means that River win Group 1, San Paolo go through in second place, and the round of 16 ties are as follows. In all of these, the team that I'm naming first are the team who are going to be at home in the first leg, and they go... Huracan versus Atletico Nacional of Colombia, Gremio of Brazil versus Rosario Central, Racing versus Atletico Mineiro of Brazil, São Paulo of Brazil versus Toluca of Mexico, Táchira of Venezuela versus Pumas of Mexico, Independiente del Valle of Ecuador versus River Plate, Nacional of Uruguay versus Corinthians of Brazil, and Cerro Porteño of Paraguay versus Boca Juniors. Um, Obviously, as we said earlier, we'll be back next week to discuss how we think that's going to go, along with all of the other stuff, including how this weekend's Classicos turn out. So join us again then.